Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present, We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. You're listening to Race Matters. This is a show made by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I am Sharika Halleludin. And I'm Darren Lasagas. So nice to be in the studio together. I feel like I'm still basking in the glow of last week's show and the live um, edition of Race Matters that we had with Jamaica Moana, uh, Nicole Barakat and uh, Latoya Rule. Such, and I hate to like tout a conversation that I've led myself, but genuinely I felt very like privileged to be in their presence and to be hearing their stories and their wisdom and their knowledge. They come from such diverse backgrounds of creative practice and to hear them make the connection between what they do you know physically conceptually and tie that into how they imagine the world and imagine a world into being i feel like i'm going to be taking stuff from that conversation onwards um into the future a lot so if you haven't listened to that into uh, that uh, talk yet i highly highly recommend you uh, sit with their words imagination as practice also you should be basking in that <laughs> you held that space so beautifully it was Truly such a nice culmination of all the work that you've been doing on the show for the last few years, but to feel that in like a living, breathing space with an audience as well for the first time ever, even as someone who kind of helped to, you know, make that event come into being, I felt rearranged internally in being able to hear these conversations. So thank you also for holding that space with our oh, guests. It was, it was so my beautiful. pleasure. Yeah, it's so true what you say, like sometimes you know when you're doing radio and doing it week to week and sometimes it feels like a one-way kind of street or relationship but having that physicality of a space and having people in front of you and you know physically reacting like i could feel people's bodies like changing and shifting with the Mm. conversation that was so nice to feel and see yeah such a beautiful energy and definitely do listen back to it um wherever you get your podcasts it's a really beautiful conversation we are moving slightly away from the physical embodied space exploring the online space briefly on today's show We're going to be talking about online spaces and how they shape your identity, especially as a young person of colour. Darren, what were your first moments of beginning to understand your racial identity, specifically in relation to social media? I feel like there are so many moments that aren't really like coming to the fore right now, but I think the most potent, um, I guess, like racialization that was happening in front of me and to me um, and I'm sure a lot of people would identify with this, was my first 
uh, forays into online dating as a queer person. Um, Grinder being, you know, the most obvious and accessible one when I was young. And seeing the way that I was or people were racialized in a way that I hadn't experienced before, and that was an online space that I hadn't navigated or I was exploring for the first time. Number one, being confused. Number two, and in that sense, quite naive. And number two, being quite um, affronted and then generating this kind of, you know, internalized racism and internalization of what um, appeared to be the norm. And it wasn't until I saw that behavior and those practices reflected in some of the theory I was then exposed to in terms of critical race theory and queer theory um, at university and with friends who were going on similar journeys that I start to as a young person see that process and that concept of race come to the fore in a way that I hadn't seen before so that's the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of like online spaces and and race yeah yeah what about you um I think I had pretty similar experiences when I first started Navigating online dating, definitely the fetishization from queer people as well, who I think I also naively assumed would have some more progressive politics. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I was a Tumblr girly, which probably indicates where I am as a millennial. And I think there was a lot of really interesting subversive work happening there, especially with like alternative economies of sharing this really highbrow theory, but making PDFs accessible to marginalized groups, which at the time I was coming to understand what it was to be a woman of color in the world, which is not a term I always resonate with, but particularly black and brown women on Tumblr were doing really really incredible work to bring really elided histories and ways of being into these platforms. I feel really grateful that I actually have friends to this day in my life who I met through Tumblr and like meeting up at uni or at like Broadway shopping center for the first time when I was a teenager. The like the wisdom and like frameworks that they've given me um, that I, I still carry with me throughout this work. Ahead on the show, we'll be joined by Catherine Matziva, project lead of Codebreakers. It's an innovative output working alongside young people in Western Sydney to critically engage with social media, carving space to explore their identities and advocate for social change in creative ways. Alongside its social platforms, Codebreakers is unique in that it has multiple ways of engaging with community and bridging that often abstract bridge between community and policymakers. Instead, they have young people at the helm of making decisions that contribute to the social and political decision-making in a lot of important hubs in Western Sydney. Catherine Medziva is at the helm of this project and we begin by hearing from Catherine about the work of Codebreakers and how her role as project lead resonated with her on a personal and political pursuit to shape social change. Uh, we want you to share a bit about the work you do with Codebreakers. It started as a way for young people in Western Sydney to explore ideas of identity, race and belonging, specifically on social media. Can you tell us how you were able to establish the, the importance of this and ensure this was an idea that people should invest in? Yeah, I cannot take full credit. Um, I don't think I can take any credit around the inception of this project. Um, in our team, we are thankfully able to work with Multicultural New South Wales, who are a government funding body. And they had a 
a grant, if you will, around social cohesion and safer communities. And we were fortunate enough that in our team, we developed the project of Codebreakers, looking at race, identity and belonging in Western Sydney and exploring those themes using social media as kind of like the headquarters. And so we pitched the idea to Multicultural New South Wales through that grant process. And they were like, oh my goodness, we love it here's some money for it. Um, Western Sydney Community Forum is the regional peak body in social policy and sector support. So I guess the way that I explain this is that we are that middle piece between business, government and community organisation and kind of coordinating this team of how do we centre communities and make communities a priority. And on the flip side some of the other work that we do is supporting community organisations, so the people that work with people directly. And so with all of that information that we have working with business, government, community organisations, this is what informed some of the components of Code Breakers, having young people at the very front of this project, leading, shaping the things that we do is central. So even... Even when we look at the structure of the project and who leads it, on the advisory board that advises me and the team, yes, we have our partners of BISA, Youth Action, Darts and Platform Youth Services, but we also have a special role for a young person to sit on around a peer advisor role. So any kind of strategic decision that we are making, we have the representation of a young person there. I think that was like a really interesting kind of explanation of the structure or the structure you're also trying to rewrite with having young people leading the processes that you do. I guess bringing it briefly into like a personal perspective, how did Codebreakers resonate with you personally as an extension of your work in shaping policy and being invested in social justice? That's a big one. That's a big question. I have worked in the social policy space for five go- four going on to five years and Codebreakers is unique in many different facets, right? You have the backing of a government organisation saying that we are putting young people at the forefront and we are investing Then you have an organisation like Western Sydney Community Forum who's in this interesting position of working with business, government and community organisation. And then you have me at the time who was also a young person being a part of this project. So for me, the personal appeal was like, look at all of these almost institutions backing young people, saying that young people are our future and we have to do something to equip and skill them. We need formal structures to include their voices in the things that we do. So although Codebreakers heavily focuses on young people and connecting young people with young people and upskilling young people to be champions of um, social harmony, uh, a portion of Codebreakers also influences our organisational policies as well as feeding I guess, our findings and our learnings to multicultural New South Wales, who in turn will also influence their policies and their way moving forward. So it, it was cool to, to see that, oh my goodness, we actually have an opportunity to influence change. 
Being the project lead, I get to sit in in meetings with Multicultural New South Wales and other organisations and I get to see that like, okay, no, this this is real. Like the things that we are doing definitely have an impact and that was the personal appeal to me that I get to be a part of something that's almost groundbreaking, if you will. So yeah, that was the personal appeal. For the most part, it feels like young people or the creative space were a forgotten thing, that like an afterthought. So it's like when we look at, and this is me talking broadly in, in social policy, when we look at transport, when we look at digital inclusion, when we look at housing, when we look at affordability, young people are put to the side of that. But Code Breakers is a way of bringing young people back to the forefront of social policy. And so, yeah, I guess on a personal and a professional level, that's the thing that really excited me. Mm. Um, Something that's striking about the Code Breakers program, I mean, the more that we're hearing from you about it now is how intentional it is in having multiple ways of engaging young people, not only to share their voices, but also to upskill, which is something you were just talking about. What are some of the projects that you're excited about? So one of the things that we still did was linking young people to an organisation called Curious Works. Some of you might know them and the amazing work that they do. And that was for a component of Code Breakers called the healing modality. So when we talk about race, identity and belonging, there's a lot of emotional labour that comes with that. And so we also need to create safe spaces for young people to be. Not just in telling your story, but also hearing people's stories can have a profound and moving impact. So the healing modality looks at how do we upskill young people in self-care mechanisms. So we did that in a couple of ways. Linking up with Curious Works and we did an exercise around tradition and me. What are the parts of me that make me me? Where am I coming from? Who are my ancestors? What do I do now? And then also working with Indigenous leaders, people like Jai Pittman. What do First Nations or Indigenous people, how do they do self-care? How do they recenter and refocus and, and things like that? So there was a bit of like a cultural exchange, a bit of an upskilling type of thing. And then we moved into working with the ABC. How do we do advocacy work or share our stories on social media in a way that's impactful? In a way that still harnesses our rage, but in in a way that is impactful and reaches the people that we want to reach. Me and myself, I come from Zimbabwe, right? And we have an incredibly rich oral tradition similar to the Indigenous cultures here in Australia. And that is incredibly beautiful. But one thing that I mourn for my own culture is that some of those things weren't written, right? When a person passes on, they are a living library with all of this information. So that workshop with Sweatshop was around how do we do storytelling and how do we, again, do it well. And again, going back to social policy and the, and the importance of place-based organisations is with the agency called Youth Off the Streets in MacArthur Field. And we are running a couple of sessions called Colour Me Happy, exploring things around nostalgia, around food, around belonging in such creative ways. Um, And so that's kind of the way that we upskill young people and connect them to experts in a particular area so that their capacity can grow and then 
coming back to Codebreakers, they are able to be champions of community harmony. One of the impacts that I've seen, and it's so beautiful to witness, is the Codebreakers has a digital gallery which hosts the unedited raw voices of young people. And this gallery hosts a range of works from videos to drawings to essays to poems to like whatever you want to submit, we can host it, right? And so in that process, and I would say working with community organisations and young people directly, the thing that I have seen the most or the thing that has impacted me the most was seeing the confidence of young people when they realise that someone actually wants to hear their voice in an unedited, unfiltered way and will also put money behind that. And when I say putting money behind that, at every point in which we engage young people, we will pay them for their time and resources. And I mean, so much of the success of a project like Code Breakers can be owed to the fact that so much care and um, thought and rigor has been put into creating these conversations, these spaces as, for want of a better word, safe for these people to be able to share these stories. And, um, you know, you talk about the importance and the specificity of what it means to run or be part of place-based organizations or place-based projects. How do you see a project like Codebreakers in the broader ecology of a thriving Western Sydney um, arts um, scene? During COVID, we saw that place-based organisations were instrumental in carrying communities through. People were going to their local neighbourhood centres, their local whatever. If you were Lebanese, you knew that there was this particular organisation. If you were South Sudanese, you know that there was this. If you were Christian, you knew that there was a church down the road. Whatever, right? And that's the beauty of place-based organisations. They understand the nuances of that particular community and can support them in that way. And because Codebreakers is designed for young people in Western Sydney, and can be shared anywhere, anyhow. Some days I'm on FBI radio, other days I'm in boardroom meetings talking about it. It's versatile enough that it can capture the voices and also be shared in those place-based communities in whatever way they need. In MacArthur Fields, we're doing art-based projects, uh, things that are very creative, hands-on and, and whatever else. In Blacktown, or Parramatta, we might do more writing workshops. We're able to adjust and pivot depending on the area in which we're working with. Because again, Western Sydney is rich in diversity, not just of ethnicity, but of um, of thought, diversity of thought. Code breakers, one of the other outcomes is all of our learnings, all of our challenges, all of our insights are going to be placed in a learning resource so that other organisations can embark on this journey of engaging young people in conversations around race, identity and belonging. So this is kind of how it feeds into the broader system and broader communities because they are not starting from ground zero. They are starting from where we have excelled and able to go beyond that. Yeah, like you're creating 
a sustainable resource and this is like a bit of a pivot but I guess a question around the usefulness of having an archive and resource are there any challenges that you also encounter being part of Codebreakers and the groundbreaking work that you are trying to put forward absolutely (laughs) I guess that's the short answer so how do we reach young people And to showcase the diversity of a young person's experience, some young people are facing extreme vulnerability, couch surfing, haven't really necessarily engaged in in education of any forms. And other young people are on the path to being our next politicians and presidents and have um, all of the support you'd want a young person to have. So I guess the challenge is how do we reach young people and show that diverse experience of young people? How do we share this in an age where social media is overloading everyone with information, where we are faced with advertising and digital engagement everywhere, where we're at like an opportunity overload almost? How do we engage young people and capture their voices? in a way that's impactful. Um, We've been speaking about this notion of safe spaces. So say the young people, I mean, the young people are there. Now it's the time for them, for you to help facilitate their using of that space, um, which is a major part of Crow Breakers, creating, protecting and maintaining of space. How do you navigate as a facilitator instilling skills of safety whilst interacting online, but also wanting people to feel empowered to claim that space as their own? Codebreakers isn't based in a particular location. So the idea of of space is really interesting because we don't have a singular place that people can come to, but that's also a beautiful thing that we use online, social media, as our headquarters, as that place to come back to. So when we are hosting sessions, it depends. If it's me and my team, we have artists Um, who have a background in facilitation, who do fantastic work around grounding exercises, um, explaining the day. We also have someone like myself who has a background in social work that can provide that immediate support. Then we also have fantastic relationships with youth-specific organisations in mental health, in employment, in whatever kind of field you want, we know someone in that space. So there's spaces that young people can be a part of and we encourage them to be a part of and a lot of consideration goes into the types of things that they will need. Yeah, we also make space where young people can't necessarily be physically present, but they're in consideration. They are considered in those spaces. This is like a slight gesture towards some of the things that could make you quite hopeful in this process, particularly looking at how you have this adaptive evolving space often online. There's always been subversive ways that people, particularly young people, engage with online infrastructure and make it their own. I've been thinking a lot about the work of Dr. Moya Bailey, who's a black feminist scholar, and she speaks about this idea of digital alchemy, specifically how people of color transform everyday digital media into valuable social justice media magic. I'm wondering if this resonates with you at all, and if you have an example of the magic you've experienced during your time with Codebreakers. 
I guess the way that I can answer that question is that the digital gallery is the vehicle in which we share the voices of young people where some of that magic comes about. So a young person will submit their work and if they want to be attached to that body of work, they are able to share their social media handle as well so that when it gets posted on our platform, they are also getting the exposure as well. Having a space like Code Breakers in an online space is alchemy within itself because the nature of it is to share the voices of young people unfiltered in the way that they see fit. We, through conversations with young people in our steering group, realised that like some kind of resource is needed specifically for code breakers and the things that we are talking about. So that resource is in the works so that we can have more of that magic, so that we can also equip young people to use the code breakers platform as a backing, but also branch off into, into the things that they are passionate about and the spaces that they occupy. That is all for Race Matters this week. I'm Sharika Halaludin. I'm Darren Lasagas, and yeah, thank you again to our guest, Catherine Medziva. If you want to have your work featured on the online gallery or if you want to learn more about Codebreakers and their work, follow them on Instagram at underscore Codebreakers. Or you can head to our show notes at fbiradio.com slash race matters, where you can also listen back to all of our episodes. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters.